Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're going to make our dreams come true. Welcome to the Nat Net, a podcast about eight seasons in a row. I'm Mr. Fernandes, and... I'm Chris Jai Wardna. Hello. And we're about to review the Laverne Shirley episode, Testing Testing, which is from season five. Written by Chris Thompson, with a story from Kelly Rich, and directed by Joel Zwick. And I bet you got some facts about them, don't you, Chris? I do. Uh, so I actually did not know the information about from a story from Kelly Rich, because uh, yeah. when I did my search for notes, I did not see that name attached to it. It's so. actually in the, it's in the opening credits, and it's on Wikipedia. Ah, uh, crap. Okay. IMDb screwed, IMDb screwed me. Sorry, no. Kelly. We will do... We will do an addendum uh, to this episode at some point in the future then. Go for it. All right. Go for it. But yeah, so for Chris Thompson, sad to say, this is our final episode from Chris. Uh, he This will be at least the last one we have him as a writer. He had an auspicious and sometimes surprising uh, credit, you know, throughout the first five seasons from yes. Airport 59 to Driving Test to Bully Show of all fucking oh. things. And and yes, this is an explicit episode. We're just going to go with that because <laughs> content wise, we're going to go there. Yes. Um, but he even did as well just what we did last week. Fourth annual talent, uh, the fourth annual shots talent show. And finally ends with this one. He was credited as script consultant for seasons four and five and produced for a bunch of that time as well. So Chris Thompson went on to create multiple TV series, including Bosom Buddies, Hard Knocks, The Naked Truth, Action, Ladies Man, and Shake It Up. This will reunite him with other Laverne and Shirley alums, such as Penny Marshall, Jeff Franklin, Roger Garrett, Tom Turbovich, and Joel Zwick. Sadly, Chris Thompson died in 2015 after a long illness over, finally overtook him. He passed away while visiting his friend Tim Curry's house in June of that year. Uh, we've, we'll have lengthy obituaries from Variety and Deadline below, but uh, there is this quote from the Deadline obit about his passing that I thought was really interesting. Chris Thompson was the kind of writer that writers write about, said longtime friend Jim Vallely on Saturday night. He was pushing the envelope back when people still used envelopes. Chris's show Bosom Buddies was the first sitcom I'd ever seen that was actively sneaking jokes by the censors. On Chris's Fox comedy Action, after he handed in a first draft of an especially raunchy episode, it was returned from standards and practices with a stamped, THIS SCRIPT HAS BEEN REJECTED in all caps on the cover page. I had never seen that stamp before or after, and I don't think I ever will. I and everyone else who's ever worked with them are devastated by this sad news. So I wanted to make sure we discuss this because I we give you a salute, fellow Chris. There was a lot of people who spoke incredibly highly of him. Bella Thorne, who was in Shake It Up, uh, spoke very highly of him as a father figure Aww. in the early part of her career. It's definitely something I wanted to bring up was, you know, Mr. Thompson um, did a lot of work that we really enjoyed on the show. He was responsible for a lot of good things about the show. And I mean, with Bosom Buddies, that helped give us Tom Hanks. So, I mean, yes. goodness gracious. Yeah. So... Yeah. And I, I still say, if if you can find action, it is definitely a body show. It's a bit gritty, but it's it's essentially a single camera sitcom about a really crappy uh, agent producer type in Hollywood, uh, played by Jay Moore. Great, yes. great show. Lot, and I mean, like real producers yes. who had infamous uh, backstories are in the show. I'm pretty sure Joel Silver shows up at some point, yeah. which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, Chris Thompson, heck of a guy, did a really good job on this script, as we'll find out. Um, Joel Zwick. The reason I wanted to kind of wait and cover this now is I am 
honestly out of Joel Zwick notes at this point. I'm <laughs> going to track down some other podcasts that he's been on to see if I can dredge up anything else. I'm going to go ahead and take a quote that I've probably already used before uh, in these intros from an interview he did with BroadwayWorld.com or BWW. I'll link it down below. So uh, in this interview, this was circa around February of 2020 before all the madness blew up on us. Uh, But Joel at the time said, I enjoy doing what I'm doing while I'm doing it. Right now, I'm directing theater, so that's what I enjoy the most. However, in terms of efficiency and speed, perhaps directing sitcoms was the easiest because it's one week, either the best episode you ever directed or the worst piece of garbage. It was only one week of your life. And that is a really interesting way to look at the working director's life. But anyway... So that's our notes for the behind the camera guys today. Oh, wow. I saw action a long, long, long time ago. It was airing, I think, on IFC at one point. Mm, yes, and, it was. Yep. Yeah. And it just kind of, I haven't seen it centuries and I got to look it up. Yeah. I want to I say Shout Factory may have put that on DVD. I'm going to have so. to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, they, they dropped on DVD uh, at some point. Complete series. So. Yeah, I, that's out there somewhere. I gotta actually study that. It's been a long, long time since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking up again. Still get it on Amazon. Yeah, the complete series, uncut and unbleeped. Fantastic. Oh, awesome. Uh, released by Sony. Okay, nice. But yeah, yeah, Jay Moore, Elena Douglas, and Jared Paul. Yeah, Elena Douglas yeah. is fantastic in that show. She is. She's she's fabulous in a lot of things. But oh, that, yeah. Yeah, she was really good in that. That was really worth it. So it's been a long time since I've seen it. See it eventually. Here's what the episode's about. Laverne gets nervous when the gang at Shots are informed they're going to be subjected to psychological testing, and soon her anxiety spreads to Shirley and the boys. In consulting with Dr. Matthew Gentry, Squiggy exposes childhood scars, Lenny expresses his gratitude for what he's got in light of his inferiority complex, and Shirley's perfectionist dreams of suburban utopia melt under the weight of questioning. Meanwhile, Laverne has to deal with 200 hands when her attempt at stopping the line after seeing a batch of cutters move down it. Results in some cut-up mitts. Initially called a hero, she harbors a secret about why she jumped on that conveyor belt. What will be revealed? And will everyone keep their jobs? So what do you think of this one? That was something else. I remember you hyping me up on this that it was a good one. And like one of your favorite ones. You've met, dropped mention to it before. We watched this actually before prepping to do this for the uh the pod because i think yeah. we did this on one of the uh watch along marathons yes. right yes 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 i think i actually i did this uh for my birthday marathon is one of my favorite episodes i'm pretty sure i did that's right that's right that's right yeah this and uh sing 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 ever call where the, yes. the that was my first time watching that yes. one was yes, during yes. this yes you like them both i loved them both and this blew me away yes. i i i'm amazed at how intelligently it's written i'm absolutely flabbergasted by the sensitivity and the acting the this is incredibly theater driven it also has the signs and one could say this is a negative in that it has this sort of amateur roughness of a acting workshop i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing i think it's just kind of in some respects like either an aesthetic choice or just the spirit of it because there is a rawness to it in the performances and even the character details that makes me wonder how much the writing of this was actually galvanized through the rehearsal process where the actors were bringing something to their characters. Yeah. Yeah. We get some real depth here. We get a lot of wonderful depth. Uh, This is one of my favorite episodes for a lot of reasons, because this is a character study episode. 
we go bone deep into all four characters here, and we learn a lot about them and how they interact with the world and how they see themselves and what their real dreams and hopes and ambitions are. And it's incredibly sympathetic to all four of them mm -hmm. and to who they really are at core. It's a lovely episode. It's beautifully written, incredibly written. Some of the best writing on the show ever. Yeah, it, it is. It's so human. Yes. I guess is the thing that blows me away because, yes. you know, when we talk about these actors, we talk about the range that David had as a performer and especially the character depth that he shows as Squiggy. When we talk yes. about how Michael has, you know, now is a nom Emmy nominated actor for Better Call Saul, or yes. we talk about Penny and the fact that she was trying to find herself and we see the depth of her as a director and the director of her as a storyteller and how, you know, she added again, added these layers of humanity to Laverne who, you know, a lot of people would have played as just a bimbo. And it's Cindy Williams. Cindy Williams was part of the new Hollywood. Yeah. And you see that here. It's interesting. I'm curious, like what your take is on the fact that there is so much laughter, like real laughter from the audience. Like it's not a laugh track. It, and I'm curious what your take is on the fact that there's some very real human emotional stuff here. And yet it still is being interpreted as funny. And it still is funny. Yeah. But I was curious what your take is on that. It manages to balance the general comedy of life very well. Life intrins intrinsically is very both funny and tragic at the same time. A lot of the time. And the show manages to point at everybody's um, big flaws and their character issues while also saying, hey, this isn't really funny. This is really who they, who they are and who they feel. They manage to make jokes surrounding this material. And occasionally jokes that are part of the material, like Squiggy's declaring uh, himself a uh, ragged muffin. Your average everyday ragged muffin. And then you find out that his parents just abandoned him at home for days at a time. At least his parents came back on like Lenny's mother. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like you learn awful, awful, awful things about everyone and how tough their childhoods were. And shows almost over the top a need for perfection and order. She has this suburban dream of uh, perfect tranquility, and there's never any, you know, anything messy going on. There's never any mistakes or any horrible, horrible real life events. There's all flowers, no blood, so to speak, in her idea. And Laverne the Cynic just you know, sees terrible things coming. And she thinks, well, the glass is half empty, but I can get something good out of the half empty glass. And that's very, very hard. It's just, it's incredible character work. Mm -hmm. Incredible character work. Yeah, I my note here about uh, Cindy's performance in particular, how she fluctuates between the confident mask and a complete wreck. Yeah, it, it's it's stellar done. Yeah. I mean, the the writing for her is that amazing mix of like tragic and like cosmic in a way. Yes. You know, flying into paranoia, her yeah. self-deprecation. Yeah. Um, the way that a physical gesture she does is where she smacks her head, like you can imagine. That's what she feels she has to do to make her mother happy. 
because it's 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 her mom's criticism like oh you're so stupid you did this you did this you did this you yeah, did this you know and and they're and then she has to then come up with an excuse for you know her picture you know because the yeah. idea of this whole thing of the uh the idealized family thing yes. and the way they use that with Shirley in particular is just yeah. she has to come up with this excuse for them not being home that there's no people in the house yeah 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 you know yeah 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 the, yeah, the perfect exterior but the interior doesn't exist because she does not know how to act out the interior. She hasn't experienced it. Yeah. To be honest. Um, oh God, that's a great, that's a great, yeah, that's a great yeah. phrasing of it because yeah. exactly, she came from this broken home. She doesn't yeah. know what this yeah. beautiful, perfect family life she wants yeah. looks like. Yeah, she only just sees it in movies and TV shows. She sees what she wants, and she, but she hasn't experienced actual marriage. She hasn't experienced what it's like to have a screaming toddler in her arms. She hasn't had the teething baby experience or having a nurse every two hours or the, the dog that bites and snaps and poops where it won't, where it ought not to. And the husband that won't come home or comes home late. Well, she's seen that with her father. So she thinks that she gets this white collar business and this white collar lifestyle rather that she's guaranteed to have a husband that'll be a nine to fiver who's guaranteed to be there after like five or six o'clock in his robe with his slippers and his newspaper and all that jazz. She thinks that's what's going to happen, but it's not guaranteed. And, you know, that's the tragedy of Shirley Feeney. It is. Yeah. It's the thing that, you know, and it's, it's kind of sad to think that this comes, you know, halfway through the series. And I know enough about where this is going with Shirley that God, I wish that she was going to get a happier send off than she actually does three seasons from now, because God, it's, you want to see her grow. Like today, I would be really fascinated to see how a show like this could be done, what these characters could be done today, and to see them grow into happier, better people. Yeah. And um, kind of the way that like in space, you know, at the end of space, yeah. they all are better, stronger, more adapted people. Yeah. You know, they grew up, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And because that's also, I think, what's the interesting idea of this whole push is you're seeing who they are and where yeah. they're at Yes. And the possibility of where they can go. Yes, yes, yes. I've always said my ultimate Shirley ending is that she's not chasing a doctor. She's not married to a doctor. She is the doctor. Yeah. That's the ending she really needed. She becomes a doctor. That's the ending she needed. And Laverne, after all of her years of like chasing lots of guys, maybe she finds one guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one kind of, you know, kind of blonde, yeah. kind of lanky, kind of pale, you know, guy. <laughs> Blue eyes. <laughs> right in there. Get it in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, come on. There, there is the point where she she does comfort him in this episode when yes. uh when he, he comes out of the out of the room all yes. kind of broken after the uh the yeah. psychiatry interview. Yeah. And he asks her how your little hands will burn. Oh they're at the table at, at the end there. That's cute. Yeah. It's not particularly shippy Aww. episode, but you can get little hints there in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, yeah. this is this is the shipper lifestyle. When you when you ship, you ship for life. <laughs> well, I've been shipping it since I was like a like in my early preteens, so that's how it goes. <laughs> that's how it goes with me. Oh gosh, yeah. But back to the episode itself. Yes. Poor Laverne slicing up both of her hands trying to grab cutters. Guess can you imagine how much that would hurt? Oh, the pain. Oh, yeah. God. Now, thankfully, I wonder if the meds, the medical techs overdid the bandaging, 
you know, so it makes it look worse than it actually is. Well, but you can see absolutely. all the plasters on her fingers at the, in the last scene. That's true. You see all the little band-aids and plasters all over it. So she got cut up all oh, yeah. over her She's fingers. She's cut up. But um, but yeah, exactly. I, I I did want to point out. I love the terminology discussion at the beginning, which already kind of establishes the difference between these characters. Because Shirley's thinking of the 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 lingo, and I, it's it. She's becoming like a career bottle capper at this point, knowing you know it's like you got a bunch of cutters and uh-huh. um oh and and Shirley's mama guilt and everything and but um the industry jargon thing, whereas to Laverne and obviously, you know, when they reveal that, you know, she basically fell asleep on the line. Um, her thinking is thing there. I do the thing that's, you know, that's a very, you know, she, you know, she just doesn't look before she leaves. Does she? No, <laughs> never. That's Laverne's impulsive nature combined uh, with her. The fact that she fell asleep on the line and she knew it was her fault and she didn't want to be fired. Mm-hmm. And then you know, she ended up, you know, taking the uh, hero role there. And, you know, in the end, that's okay. It's okay that she got caught up because Shirley thinks she's a good person. Which is kind of sweet in a way. God, that's, that whole scene. Oh, my heart, my heart, my heart. The whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. As in the, the, the discussion at the end, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Her, 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 her scene with Dr. Gentry. Yes. That's what I mean. Yeah, sorry. That's what I meant. Great. Yeah. All of it's great yeah. and all of it's touching. Everybody has like extremely touching moments. Yep. Yeah. The whole adjuster, yes. you know, that's your, yes. and that line just breaks my heart every time. Yeah. See, Doc, I'm an adjuster. That's your job. Yeah. No, that's my life. That's and my life. God, it's, yeah. yeah. It, it is one of the best Laverne scenes in the entire series. Yes. I cannot that's see this getting topped. I, I really can't. We got some stuff coming up. We'll see. I, I don't know, man. This at the very least, this may just end up being my favorite. But I mean, it's so, yeah. And and that's even not even to talk about. Um, so far, you know, we haven't even covered uh, uh, Lenny and Squiggy because you know Squiggy, you know, going first, you know, has um, whew, um, yeah. the body language is yes. totally key in everything and it's it's and especially what i love about this episode is it's super physical despite being so talky yes 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 it is david is was always very careful when he was portraying squiggy you know the way his posture he held his body the way he talks Mm -hmm. uh he's trying so hard to be cool and disaffected in front of gentry and runs right into the trash bin exactly on cue yep 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 are you paranoid? I'm German. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> what kind of child were you? White? <laughs> yeah. I mean, every line in the exchanges is just chef's kiss. Just, yes, it's good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And after you peel back all that humor, you hear that his parents left him for two or three days at a time alone. And apparently him and Squendle and his sister, who we meet later. Yeah. And it's awful to think about. And that, that, you notice that in Squiggy, it takes a while to dig that out of him. Uh, compare that to Lenny, who just blurts it out immediately. Mm-hmm. While staring shamefacedly at a wall, because he's afraid of being judged. Yep. That just like, ugh, ugh, the heart, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't necessarily have the notes about Lenny's personality and his his vulnerability that he shows in the, in the interview. I, I do... do. 
But um, <laughs> but see, what I'm saying is, in my notes I have about Squiggy, about seeing his literalism, his cynicism, yeah. his blasé bitterness. Um, yeah. What would then you say be Lenny's, what show, What aspects of Lenny's character get to shine through? Uh, his openness. Like, his, he blurts out everything about his whole life without being prompted to do so. And then he absolutely thinks that he doesn't even deserve what he has, in a way. Uh, driving a truck with his best friend is a life way better than what he thought he would get. And that's both sweet and sad. Uh, we learned that he was uh, grew up on government assistance. He got his lunch money from his teacher. And since they were pretty much relying on his father's tips and wages as a busboy, if we take into account uh, with some money in the Squigtones album. Uh, so they were living like r- below the poverty line. And that's how he grew up. His, you know, and that's the um, sad at the center of his funny, so to speak, as Penny would say. Yeah, the the bitter, bitter Tootsie Pop center of the Tootsie Pop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and if you really, really think about it, and the kids were making fun of him because his mom left him. Just imagine what that's like. His mother physically abuses him from the time he was an infant. An infant. Mm-hmm. Then she abandons him on his fifth birthday and kids make fun of him for that. Just think about what that really means. And look at him and see what that you know does to his character. What that does to his personality. That says everything. His inferiority complex is just screaming through here. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> As soon as he even, I mean, he even leaves and says, you know, he said, you know, what happened? He said, I lack confidence. I think I failed. I, I failed. My, <laughs> my heart, my baby. <laughs> <laughs> no worry, Laverne's there to co- try to comfort him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You poor dope. It's <laughs> a <laughs> big dope, yeah. But yeah, it's, <laughs> um, but it's a, uh, yeah. It's that is, I guess, the the depth and strength of this episode that kind of it doesn't come out of nowhere. Like we've been building up towards this for these five years. And in some regard, like. I love I I really do love that this is as a writing credit, even though I'm sure there were plenty of folks that contributed to this episode. I wouldn't doubt the entire writer's room did. Um, I'm glad this is Chris's last one as the right as a writer, as accredited as a writer, because the idea that this is this is such an amazing note to go out on because I you know when we're as we're building up all these different pieces of who they are and then basically you know kind of tearing a part of themselves open and seeing that and not, and being terrified of of this vulnerability that they're going to get fired and that's what you really see is that they are scraping you know just barely scraping by for the job for work for money what have you to live. That it is yeah. such a and it, it really talks about you know as we've mentioned before the classism. That is yeah. one of the key tenets of the show's confront, yeah. you know, com- comedic confrontation, and yeah. the speech Doctor Gentry gives at the end yes. is this amazing. Like that's a really good final scene of like the whole series, because like you know, if it was going to end in Milwaukee, that's kind of where I would want it to conclude. Yeah. Because, you know, without, yeah. with, you know, with, because it's like they're so and I know, you know, there are tons of people that are not going to agree with this. I know there's folks that we know that aren't going to agree with this, but there is a poetry to. He sees them and yeah. he hears them yeah. the way that we, the audience have. Yes. 
and he praises them in a way that they need and they've never been able to feel before. Yeah, exactly. It shows the level of depth lying under the skin. Is what it does. It, under the surface of this goofy, loud, uh, physical comedy heavy sitcom, here's the heart of these characters. And it just shines right through. Absolutely. Yeah. If you really think about it, and if you care at all about these characters, it's like, ugh, right in the heart, right in the heart. <laughs> and even, Me, you know... <laughs> I was going to say, even I honestly, if I was going to, if somebody just said, I want, I don't want to watch the whole eight seasons. I just want yeah. like 10 episodes. Yeah. This would be the final one of the 10 I would show them. This would be in the pack. But for me, this would definitely be in the pack. Yeah. I would probably bookend it with something different. We'll, we'll get there along as we keep watching. But yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. Yeah. Uh, and then poor, oh God, I, I, poor Shirley. Oh, Dr. yeah. Dr. Ray. <laughs> man. Yep. Oh, yeah. And then uh, just this idea that she, like I, like we said, she has this perfect idea of what life should be like, but has no idea what the content of a life will be like. She just has a notion that she's learned. It's kind of sad. Yeah. And sad. it's, it makes me wonder how successful her brothers really are. You know, yeah. well, we know Bobby's a drunk. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Bobby's a drunk. Oh, God, yeah, that one. You can imagine oh, man. That the rest of them have similar issues. Yeah, it hits close to home. Issues. Yeah, like, yeah, this, heart. yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting that through all this, as wonderfully as you know, empathic and kind and etc., I I think interesting that. Dr. Gentry, when he has the conversation with Laverne about, uh, she, she starts to ask him questions, which is a great, great method to get her to talk and react and to yeah. learn about her through learning about him and et cetera, yeah. um, is white is his favorite color. Vanilla is his yeah. favorite ice cream. Yeah. It's like he's a blank slate, but it's actually good yes. for him because I realize it makes yes. him not just like the sounding board. He's like a mirror. Yes. And it allows them to reflect back to his patients what they are and let them see themselves without yeah. judgment. This is where we learn that Laverne likes ice cream with ripples in it. Doesn't matter what the ripples are. Anything yeah. with ripple. Yeah. Aw, ripple bells. And her utter fear that she's going to uh, blurt out stuff about sex is hilarious. <laughs> she thinks about other things other than sex. But she asked him if it's cheap to kiss on the first date. Yeah. You're awful good at your work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just shatters your heart with the uh, crop adjuster stuff, and uh, and how you know she just you know adjusts to the misery of her life. She doesn't like even she doesn't even try to go out there and uh, actively change it. According to this, she just accepts it and adjusts what comes to her, and that's the difference between her and Shirley. Shirley's out there striving, and she's adjusting what she's given. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's what's sad. Yeah, it is. Cause, cause I mean, for, for us, to us, you know, we don't want to see her just adjust to what's there. We want to see her strive. We want to see her, you know, be realistic about it, but still, you know, dream a bit. It's interesting actually to, to point out. So in this session of recording some episodes right now in July, we are actually, so this, so for those listening, we're recording this in July of 2021. 
we're just about to, I think the next on our docket, if we have time, is we're going to do Nancy Remembers Laverne from Blansky's Beauties. And it's really interesting to talk about these aspects of Laverne and the depth of psychology and all of the, and this thoughts of dreams and striving and and classism, et cetera, compared to what that episode does regarding its portrayal and perspective of the less financially fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. <sighs> by the way, uh, did Squeaky make an anachronistic exorcist reference by saying, thank your lucky Pazuzus, or was that me hearing that line wrong? I'm pretty sure that that might have been David ad-libbing that, and that's an intentional um, line. It might have been uh. David doing some ad-libbing. I actually <laughs> do remark on lucky Pazuzus in all caps. And, him, and Laverne getting your fingers gassed. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that line. And then uh, and she, she kind of gives Squiggy the finger at one point with her, her yes! hands all covered up, right? Yes! There's yes, a gesture. Yes, She's trying to flip him off, but her hands are all completely covered. So she can't do anything. <laughs> I love it's that. It's great. I love uh, Dr. Gentry so much, though. I really do. I love everything about you know the, the way they have him. And there's this calm, reassuring sounding board who's also... Got his own opinions about them, as we quickly mm-hmm. find out. Uh, oh my goodness! And then, of course, uh, Laverne says that she can go crazy on the first date, and yes. he bites his hand. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, the group bonding <laughs> in that final scene is so is so cute. Yes. I I love how much. Uh, like I also noted here, there's that close up of Squiggy in the final scene, like added like coverage and close ups. Um, yeah. This is a way more directed episode. There's a lot yeah. more coverage in all of the scenes. Like they, yeah. That's why I wonder how much of this was done through rehearsals and through a much more careful process. Because even directorially, the there's more going on that you would have to break down these scenes. Unless they added more cameras, but even then, I don't know if they would had have had the room. But uh, it works really well, and it adds all that depth. And uh, I bring this up partly of the group bonding as well because it gives you these little focus moments of kind of a little bit of everybody, you know, and bring it all back together. And then they all spit take when Dr. Gentry comes, comes looking for him. That's exactly. I'm wondering actually if there were, re- there were reshoots possible, possibly involved here. Maybe. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, I do not know, but the direction really is beautiful. Writing in direction is a plus plus. Hey Mark, if you're still following us, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Mark Sotkin who's following us on Twits now. <laughs> yeah. But um but yeah, then you get the the speech at the end from Dr. Gentry and it's I love the the I mean the audience applause is great yes. and their reaction is glorious and it's yes. a everyone's spit taking except for Lenny. And then he just slowly looks at his coffee in confusion, the bottom of his coffee, trying to figure out what happened. And then he just puts, takes his goggles and puts them over his eyes. I forgot about that. You're right. Yes, yes, yes. I remember oh, that man, now. I forget that. I love that moment. I love oh, it. Oh, man. Thank you for catching that. That's that a glorious little beat. Oh, so cute. Oh. I'm trying then, to figure out, what the heck is that picture inside of Laverne's locker? And he's that Julius LaRosa. I, think. I, I did not pay attention to that. I was writing notes about my about the psychology of the episode at the time. So, but yeah, uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. I should t- I should double check for that. Uh, probably future me put up a picture of that. Thank you. Yes, that'll be on the YouTube version for those of you watching the audio only version through Spotify or Apple or what have you. And thank you for doing so. Please vote for vote your feelings about this episode. 
Give us some stars. Help us with the algorithm. Yeah, all hail the mighty algorithm. Offer bird, si <laughs> offer bird sacrifices to the almighty algorithm. <laughs> hail algorithm. Hail algorithm. Worship, ah! the, worship <laughs> the algorithm at the church of your choice. <laughs> so, sorry for the tangent there, folks, but any chance to reference Mystery Science Theater, we're pretty much going to run with. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll figure. We'll, yeah, we'll figure out the the mystery of the picture in the uh, in the locker. But yeah, I'll I'll take another look at that. Um, but yeah, and I love Doctor Gentry's little speech. Yeah, oh, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I I only have part of it. I have some of it written down. You know, the the blue collar workers I have studied are conscientious and take pride in what they do. They are able to overcome hardship in early life in spite of adversity. They are fiercely loyal to their fellow workers. Much of their work is tedious, but they persevere. It's really cool. I also like they reference early life in two re reasons is that obviously they mentioned their childhoods, you know, references the childhoods being very difficult. They also, it's a reminder these characters are like below the age of like 26, right? At this point, yes. They're not over the hill. They have a lot to, and that's why I feel like this would be an interesting yeah. place to end it as a first, like this is the first, this series has been the first chapter of their lives as adults, you know? So, yeah. Anyway, it's good stuff. Exactly. And then the tag exactly. scene. It's amazing. And that, in which Carmine draws a house. In which uh, the Nelsons are going at it. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, Pop, you finally took your sweater off. Carmine. Jeez. God. And oh, Carmine. Cindy's that so, was... Cindy's surely so scandalized. I was bothered by that, to be honest. <laughs> I, I find that bothersome. Like, I, I just found it, like, uh, ridiculous. Yeah, I guess it's just, <laughs> it, it's just the whole thing of, like, it's it's the way that they're portraying her again is this very much, to, tut tut, Carmine, how dare you have these smutty thoughts. When it's yeah. like, you're alone with your boyfriend that you clearly have had moments you've wanted to bone. Like, <sighs> yeah. God damn it, Shirley. Like, no, it's, it's script inconsistency yet again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it's I don't know. It's a it's a bit of a throwaway scene. It's a it's a little joke. It's a, it's one. It feels like a we don't know how to end this on a joke kind of scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's a surprisingly. Um, it's one of those episodes after that probably would have been stronger without the tag. Yeah, one of the if few just, few cases. Yeah. Yeah, if you just ended it with them. Having that moment of, of respect and affection with Dr. Gentry, then I think it would work better. That's just my little opinion. I agree. I agree with it. So it is it is a shared opinion. I actually would have moved the Carmine tag uh, to the middle of the episode where they're all talking about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe Carmine and Shirley are just randomly like... Uh, like drawing something and there's him being a smutty dork and she's like, I can't believe you're besmirching my favorite TV show. <laughs> we have to give, uh, by the way, a little shout out about uh, Squiggy and Lenny's Dateline Shots Brewery. Oh my God. Like, that is my new favorite boys bit. Digga, 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 digga. And now the nose. <laughs> well, at least he's sincere. Indeed. And then Mr. and Mrs. America and all the shrimp, shrimps at sea. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh God! 
We'll tell you the news if you tell us why Laverne's wearing mittens. Yeah, there's so many lines. It's so great. I know. It looked like a cow. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the house. Yeah, because she had... Uh, but yeah, can you answer me one last question? Why do you want to live in a cow? <laughs> the way she looks at them. The way she looks at them after, like, oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, God, it's it's glorious. There's so many little little touches in here. Um. Yeah. So before I jump off onto more things, we should talk about the good Doctor Matthew Gentry because um yes. we haven't talked about his actor yet. Um. Yeah. Charles Thomas Murphy was the one who played Matthew Gentry or Gentry. He was a working actor through the seventies and eighties primarily, with a bit into the nineties. He first appeared in an episode of Sanford and Son, and then a small part in the nineteen seventy six film Nickelodeon before a string of TV roles, such as an appearance on two episodes of Bob Newhart, an episode of Phyllis, The Incredible Hulk, and The Waltons. He'll appear twice more on Laverne and Shirley, once more even as this character. Yes. One of the things I want to make sure to give a special shout out to the actor is that he did pass away, sadly, at the age of 65 in the year 2006. Um, Charles did a fantastic job for me in this, ep- to me, in this episode. I think he was, he was great. Um, Again, I would have loved to have seen this character come back. Like if this if this character had been introduced early enough in the series, I would have loved to have seen him every year they were in Milwaukee. Yes. Because he is just so it's really good. And and yes, there's some yes. there's something wonderful um about Honestly, it, he um should have shown up earlier in canon. Yes, he should have. Agree. Yeah. It just it feels like it would have worked it would have worked well. Especially because um we have been getting a lot more of the brewery lately in this season. Which is yes. great. This is like the most we've had since year one, practically. Yes, I think so. And and it would have helped. I, I think that was probably a budgetary or time constraint of having to strike the set for the uh, the, yeah. the break room. But yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, yeah. But he would have definitely been um, better used earlier in the series. But yes, he did a great job. He's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I really, really, really enjoy his presence. This yeah. Episode. Anyway, I think that kind of covers the majority of my notes. Yes. Um, Mine too. Yeah. Cool. I guess, wow, we're ranking this one. Um, yes, we are. Uh, this is a flat 10 for me. This is damn good. If you want any sort of psychological insight at all into these characters, watch this episode. Any kind of insight at all. You have, you have any feelings at all for these characters, watch this episode. Uh, fantastically written, fantastically acted, fantastically shot. Even for a limited episode that's very high on talking. Uh, everybody but Carmine gets a character moment here. You learn something new about them. They build, especially Squiggy and Laverne, get a lot of extra buildup in here. But you get great insight into Lenny and great insight into Shirley. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible episode. Where are you going for this one? I want to give it a 10. That tag scene really takes it down a notch for me. I wouldn't I wouldn't vote it down because the tag scene sometimes gets completely eliminated from the episode when it airs. True. And I could just stop watching. Yeah. I think I'll just yeah, yeah I'll give it the 10. I'll give it the 10 for yeah. now. I might caveat, but we'll we'll yeah. It's it cut the tag scene, it's a 10. Because it's yeah. it's it's poetic, it's beautifully executed, it's cinematic, it's theatrical, it's wonderfully done. Um, this really shows the strengths of all the people involved, both in front of and behind the camera. And um, I really think that yeah, this is a must see episode of the series. If I was gonna, you know, if I was gonna give someone a pack, even if I was gonna give a pack of five episodes, this yeah. would be it. 
This would be yeah. definitely in that five. Yeah. Um, three, maybe not. Um, but five for sure. Five or ten uh, episodes that I had to give somebody, you know, just to get them on the show, yeah. get them on board. This would definitely be in the list. So what would your top three be? Uh, top three would be um, probably Bowling for Raspberries, uh, Haunted House, and... Hmm. Hmm. I'd have to look up the episode list, but probably something from season four or five. Yeah. Um, actually, um, yeah, Beatnik Show, I think would be yeah, one. That's a good one. Yeah, because because uh, it ends with this because that's that's your sisterhood ending. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that's a bit of a future thing for later listening yes. for stuff. Yes. I mean, every, most it's people who listen. Yeah. Most people who listen to this show will have seen the episodes before I have. So that's whatever. Anyway, but but yeah, so I think that covers my ranking and or rating for the episode. Um, yeah. It's funny. I expected this to be a more explicit episode of the podcast as well for us, just because of like the the sex discussion and things yeah. of that nature, and the kind of the the accusations of smut in uh, Laverne's yeah. brain. Um, but uh, it didn't go there. I mean, it, I think what it is, what's interesting about this episode is that it really treats everything maturely, and I'm really curious, like for what kids around the age of ten or eleven how they felt watching this episode when it first aired yeah. like the week it aired yeah 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 because it's a very it's a very cerebral episode really for the show it is a very cerebral episode i wish there were more of them like that i mean that's that's yeah. when i when we when we hit the perfect ones like this it's like god i just i want more i'm i don't know it's maybe it's me being greedy or just me not liking the majority of sitcom bs and just being like just do this. This is good comedy and dramedy and stage and do that. Well, see, Go and then, then they also had like a, a good amount of goofy thrown in too, like with the uh, scrambling on the bench, trying to avoid being the first to go into Gentry's office. Uh, certainly. Awesome. And, the, but I guess what I mean is that's comedy that comes out of characters, not yeah. just necessarily out of situations. And that's always the strongest po point for the show. Uh, you know, we've talked about like, you know, look before you leap, high neighbor book one and two, uh, honeymoon hotel um you know those episodes work best when they're yes. from the the comedy works best when it's from the characters exactly exactly, exactly. now i obviously yeah, i have a, a uh, different opinion because this is my show i know my show I'm, i, love, I so know i'm, I'm on it so no yeah. we're allowed to have different opinions that's important yeah that's, yes. that's true. You're not. Yeah, I guess that's the catch is if the, our opinions were too much the same, then the show would actually be in yeah, stereo. Stereo, 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 stereo. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I've, I've thought about making the show in stereo and having both our voices, you know, justified towards a different channel or the other. And then I realized I would like to have time for to do other things like tell my girlfriend that I love her and, and say uh, and then check in with her whether this is uh, it for today's episode. I do believe that this is it for today's episode. Um Love, love this episode. Watch it. Yes, do that. Do the thing. Watch the thing. And hey, Pluto, hopefully by the time this episode, our podcast here goes up, they've got this in your rotation. God. Play something after season four, damn it. And stop playing Bully Show late at night. That's freaking terrifying when I'm trying to watch something to go to sleep and then bam, it's freaking Bully Show. Sure. Assholes. <laughs> no. Now, see, the last few times I've turned and I've been lucky. I've, uh, you know, come upon looking for your leap. Oh, wow. Nice. So, so that, would, that would be my top. My top three would be looking for your leap, 
something like probably uh, Dinner for Four or Stepping Out or um, mm, mm, mm-hmm. or Honeymoon Hotel and A Visit to the Cemetery. Yeah, for a five, that would that's a great list. Yeah, Visit to the Cemetery. That's why I cannot pick my uh pick my my favorite pure comedy episode. Yeah, that's my problem. I can't pick that. <laughs> testing, testing would be in the fourth slot. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Oh God, doing the top five for this season is going to be interesting. I know. I told you this season it was a strong comeback. No kidding. Season. Yeah, and it was the one that ratings wise tanked. Anyway, getting yeah, up into, yeah, which really pisses me off. Where the hell were you, America? Uh, they move a slot once, and y'all abandon the show because you don't want to. You don't want to watch all the way through from that to Benson. <sighs> yeah, Benson was a hit that year. God, <laughs> no sense. That's my that, head. That just, just, it just. There's some things you just don't, you don't make any freaking sense out of. I mean, what do you figure? They, they were too busy going to see Halloween at the theaters. They were seeing Alien. The Exorcist and the you know? Aliens. And yeah. The- yeah, they're seeing movies at the cinema. I mean, God, what was actually? What were the big? God, this is around when Deer Hunter came out, wasn't it? This is uh seventy uh, uh Alien yeah. was in the theater. I know this because my mother saw it when she was pregnant with me. She was pregnant in seventy nine. Right. Uh, I take it. Okay, I take back uh, Deer Hunter. That was I think seventy eight because I think it was the seventy nine Oscars was when she made against the Oscar, and that's what gets him onto Heaven's Gate, and that's what destroyed United Artists. Uh, yeah, poor poor UA. Kramer versus Kramer. Oh God, that's, that's right. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I cringe a bit about that because I've I've heard yeah. stories about Hoffman's behavior on that yeah. set that make us make yeah. me very. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, and honestly, the movie itself has not aged well. But you know, that was a very much a boomer. Everybody's getting divorced movie. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, the China Syndrome. China syndrome. Okay. Oh, are you um, are you are you looking it up now? Am I it, No, the, well, the, those those few came from off the top of my head. Now I'm looking it up. Okay. Now, now well now so, okay, well fine. Then I'm looking it up. Star Trek the motion picture. Kind of didn't that bomb? Uh Star Trek? 1941 definitely bombed. Nine, yeah. Uh so okay, yeah, the week that this was aired was uh All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh yeah, Boardwalk. Uh, hey, Salem's Lot premiered this week. Yeah. Oh, so maybe people were too busy going to see Herzog's Nosferatu. Apocalypse Now. Hey, there you Lucky go. Too. Well, I'm I'm looking at specifically what was out around the those weekends. Yeah. Oh, hey, here we go. August, late August, Rock and Roll High School. That was probably still tearing up the drive-ins. Yeah, I love that movie. I have the DVD somewhere, special edition. That's that's a fun one. Uh. Yeah, in September, When a Stranger Calls, Wise Blood yeah. by John Houston. Wow. Uh, wow. I, you know, should we just get on with the, the tail end of the episode? We've kind of... Uh, <laughs> we'll just cut most of this in the end. <laughs> no, no, no. I like the idea of like just keeping this there uh, and, and just see how many people remain. If you're still out there, um, <laughs> thank no you so much torture. for... <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Let's do this. Let's Let's do it. I mean, they, they, if this is the test of to see if we've become enough personalities that people come to the show for us, not just for what we're talking about. 
That's the test. See, testing, test, testing. Everyone's clicking away now. Okay. Anyway, thank you everyone so much for joining us for Nine After Night. And if you would like to know more, please join us at Nine After Night Pod on Facebook or Tumblr or WordPress or Patreon or YouTube. Even that's also the possible possibility. We do sometimes have uh, special videos up on the YouTubes. We do like compilations. We do top fives for our seasons and uh for each season and uh yeah you can also find us on twitter at night f night pc and that is a great place to get in touch with us if you want to do watch alongs bug us about movies uh bug us about other stuff uh show us your fan art for laverne shirley give us give us your head cannons like do you think that uh, boo boo kitty and jeffrey have a long-standing romance that they eloped and that's one reason why they disappear towards the end of the series please let us know anyway um (laughs) So anyway, I think so. We're supposed to be heading south this next episode, right? We're yeah. we're gonna go south, right? Yep. The girls take a glamorous vacation to near Mexico. That turns out to be very unglamorous. We got no wall. That is oh no, not quite south of the border. Ah, uh, that just gets my goat. <laughs> yeah.